Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Odds, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, the Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fallacies and fantasies of modern day Christianity with confidence, culture, conviction, and, and, and conviction. And cultish behaviors. <laughs> and talking no, and With compassion, conviction, and courage. A sentence with so many nouns that could have only been written by our dear pastor, Aaron Curran to the left. That's true. Danny Van in the middle. Hello. And Adam Powers again. Hello. And there's a little bit of a different vibe here. This is um, one of our hosts for this season and the producer of Out of Oz, the Rev, Adam Clark. And I appreciate being here, man. Woo! Thanks, man. We're just chilling back for the back half of season three and just trying to survive. I'm happy to- <laughs> In this crazy world. I'm happy to fill in and be the, the lesser Peter when and you need lesser, it. <laughs> we are all the lesser Peter. Like we are the lesser Jesus. Um, so the last few years, Aww. we have seen quite a bit of division on significant issues, so many significant issues, but particularly when it comes to this issue of pro-choice versus pro-life, Roe v. Wade, uh, abortion. It's one of the most substantial hot-button issues in our day. And of course, in June of this year, it has been pushed to the fore, matter of women's health versus the right of the baby to live. And really, with, with all this convolution that's going on in the world around us, the question that kind of emerges for us is, I mean, all Christians would believe in justice. All Christians would believe in love. All Christians would believe in life and the right to life to a degree. But how we understand that and how we define mm-hmm. that differs at times. And it has brought to the surface a lot here in our church, I'm sure, up at sunrise and across the realm of Christianity, the question of, you know, what do we do with this issue? Or kind of more pointedly, can a Christian a true Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian, really be pro-choice? That's the question that Danny's here to answer today. So, Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Hey, I'm excited for the podcast. I'm excited that we're back. I'm excited that we get to start off with such a chill, non-controversial right. subject matter. It'd be great. Yeah. Ease into yeah. it. Lots of excitement. Lots and lots. Okay. And this is Adam's so, excited face. Clark, that is. Adam Clark's excited face, in case you're wondering. This is the only face. Yeah. So <laughs> this is all the emotions. So I think we have to decide what pro-choice means. Because I read this uh, question paragraph, and my first thought was, obviously, yes, the Christian can be just about anything, whether they're correct or not, is a separate issue. So I think we'd probably draw the line at being a Christian and approving of abortion. But how do we define pro-choice? Mr. Powers. I think we define it by just the simplest of terms. Being pro-choice means being pro-abortion. And therefore, I think the answer is simple. The answer is no. A Christian cannot be pro-abortion. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Powers guys. answered the question. <laughs> Which raises different questions that might be more gray than I think this one is. But from Genesis to Revelation, I think it's pretty clear the God of Christianity is pro-life. From the womb to the tomb, every human being made, created, male or female, is made in the image of God and therefore is an image bearer and therefore is 
worthy of honor and dignity and respect from the womb to the tomb. And so we, if we're going to believe the God of the Bible, we must also believe what the God of the Bible stands for, says, and in his essence is like. And so to me, that question is very simple, but that raises other questions we perhaps can get to. Yeah. I mean, I understand what Powers is saying. I used to have a very black and white world that I lived in. Now (laughs) Now you have a gray town? (laughs) Now now I have a gray town, yeah. Mm. I think the Christian or professing Christian or maybe thinking person, maybe isn't even a Christian who's listening, is going, no, pro-choice to me doesn't mean pro-abortion or pro-murder or pro-the eradication of life. It is just giving back to an individual what we would believe to be, and this is them speaking, not me, not what I believe, mm-hmm. but we believe to be the inherent human rights to kind of govern the decisions that I make regarding my health, my future, this, if I want to call it a baby, this, you know, and I think most, once again, most humble thinking people, even if they're pro-choice, they're going to call it a baby. All the memes we see online and the person's like, nine months pregnant, this is not a baby. I don't think that's the general consensus among the thinking masses that exist out there. Mm -hmm. The ones that are actually kind of trying to be gracious, but yet going, I'm pro-choice. I think a lot of them, while we see it kind of black and white of they're pro-abortion, they're just saying, no, I'm actually not pro-abortion. At least that's what I've heard many of them say. But I am in favor of you being able to decide for your life what you think should happen. Now, as a result of that, then it really becomes more nuanced and convoluted where the person could say, well, um, I'm pro-choice and I would counsel anyone toward keeping the baby or I'm pro-choice and I think that the most important thing to think about is life of the mother and life of the baby and all of this not convenience or whatever else. But still by saying that there's pro-choice, we're putting options on the table mm-hmm. that a significant reality is that there is going to be the eradication of life potentially which is where for many you know thinking believers this becomes so egregious like even the option we're not saying that you know the pro-choice person isn't necessarily saying i want abortion or i want murder but for us we're going that can't even be in the equation like that can't even be in the conversation like we cannot murder the mother we cannot murder the baby like that we cannot do that and so the option of it which yeah. is the key can't even be there yeah i was gonna say that too because Obviously, in the pro-choice realm, there's like the people that really just don't care about children or babies at all that are like, you can kill it or whatever, like horrible, horrific statements from them. But if you're a pro-choice Christian, the odds are you're going to try to beat around the bush with it. You know what I mean? Like say like, oh, I love kids. Like I want them to live. But you're also children are okay blessing, with the option. Are, yeah. I mean, that, that's the people we're going to be dealing with by and large. Mm-hmm. It's just easy in Christianity to caricature people, you know, to be like all the Trump supporters look like X, you know? Uh, the people who stormed the Capitol or all the pro-choice Christians look like this. And I don't think those caricatures are very helpful most of the time. So I agree with Adam. I think from, with the exception of Leviticus and Joshua, God is pro-life. Um, throughout. I'm joking. Um, all I the- was going to say, <laughs> oh my no. goodness. <laughs> but we'll talk about that though. Um, but we no, need to. I, I think, you know, uh, clearly God is in the camp of murder is never an option. I mean, not only does he not bless it, which is how I think most pro-life Christians look at the pro-choice, is, oh, you're blessing murder. No, and they'd be like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Not only does God not bless it, he doesn't provide the option for us to eradicate life. Right. 
acceptance situations like we've talked about on other podcasts, like the death penalty or self-defense or things sure. of that nature, war, sure. things of that nature, um, which is for a different time and place. So for us just to say this is innocent life that I don't want for whatever reason, big or small, that option historically and biblically is not on the table for Christians. And that's really what we're talking about. I think we talk about pro-choice. Right. Which shows the sneakiness of the pro-choice movement and argument because the issue for them is not life. The issue is women's rights. And we just want to be the ones that remind in our churches, what about unborn women too, right? I mean, we we want them to have rights. R.C. Sproul in his abortion book goes chapter after chapter talking about how when this issue really became volatile a few hundred years ago when it first started coming into the mainstream post-enlightenment, he said they were very sneaky about how they framed the argument. They decided from the beginning, the pro-abortion movement was not going to be about abortion mm. or life. It was going to be about choice. And it was going to be about women's rights. That's the thing that's going to be out front. And then behind that is going to be what we really desire. And so that's a sneaky twist. There's a lot of that here because it seems as though, and once again, my whole objective in this podcast is for people to think critically. It seems it's like it's been positive. Okay, Dan oh, Danny, you're pro-life, so you don't care about women's rights. Right. You know? That's and a strong man. You don't care about, like, yeah. women's health, women's life. Yeah. And we're going, we honestly care about all life. Like, we, right. we should. I granted to the pro-choice Christian out there, there are some pro-life Christians who don't care about maybe women's health or women's rights. Yeah. or women. but And who could care less about adoption. But uh, for sure, which is a huge problem. Sure. But yeah. I will say this: here's one of the biggest things. Like we're not anti women's rights, men's rights, babies' rights. We're just life supersedes rights. Yeah, like Amen. that's really, and I Amen. think that that is wherever it's but, like. Once again, if, if you're of the liberal persuasion, just think with me. Like the the liberal persuasion is all about love and acceptance. What we're saying, what logically makes sense, is that life supersedes rights. So the laws that we have in our nation are put in place. And I think they're derived a lot of them from scripture to limit your rights. Like you don't have the right to like, uh, as a doctor, to prescribe something that's going to harm somebody else. There's laws to protect your life, even sure. in the face of the violation of a doctor's rights, mm -hmm. right? Or I don't have the right to walk into a church or a school with a gun and open fire. Like I don't have that right. Right. I'm limited. Why? Mm -hmm. Because of the preservation of life, like yeah. which mm -hmm. we all value. Yeah. yeah. And so what I'm saying is life for any, I think, any thinking person, especially a thinking Christian, supersedes rights that I have. I just think it would. Like yeah. that, that just makes a lot of sense if we're actually trying to think and parse through this. So we're all about like rights. We're all about women's health. We're all about prizing the mother and prizing all people as image bearers of God. But there never comes a point as a Christian where we can argue that my right to do what I want is more important than the life of someone else, including someone in my womb. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I feel like this whole conversation breaks down very quickly. Yeah. Like you're saying, yeah. it, there's so many logical fallacies and inconsistencies you have to accept to get to the point that this is okay. And it's also so convoluted because there's politics, there's so many other things wrapped up in all these stereotypes that it's hard to answer this one question without needing to address these 10 other questions, as you just said. So yeah. I'm the repeater. I'll just repeat what you guys said. Repeater. Repeater. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
how big of a problem is abortion today? So should this still be this huge central defining issue that it has been for a lot of Christianity for the past four decades? Yeah, I don't know how it can't be because as long as abortions are still happening, I think that Christians absolutely have to have a stance on it. You still have to pick a side and there's a biblical one and a non-biblical one. Yeah, I mean, so the issue once again for me isn't abortion per se, me- meaning, meaning this, mean the issue we're talking about today is pro-choice, which again, enters in convolution. Abortion is really right. black and white. One of the leading universities did a nationwide study. Who are the leading experts in the field to determine when life begins in the womb? And like 97% of Americans said biologists. And then like 98% <laughs> of biologists said life begins at conception. Yeah. So it's like, and that's like a secular study. It's not. So I think most, most scientists, most biologists, you know, most, once again, most thinking people are going to go, okay, life begins in the womb. And that's why some, some pro-abortionists, not just pro-choice, but pro-abortionists have written articles like, so what if we're killing our children? Like they've just acknowledged we're killing our children. And so it comes down once again to this is a critical issue. And when I say it's not primarily about abortion, what I mean is the heart of humanity is bent on evil. And abortion is one of the tragic ramifications of that evil that we can somehow, and I know I sound like a Bible-toting, archaic dude, but I am. (laughs) Um, But abortion is one of the evidences of a society that there's no fear of God before their eyes, that we can somehow validate and justify in our minds, especially as Christians, Mm. that... If life begins at conception, which is when biologists say that, most people acknowledge that, um, or shortly after conception, whatever it is. But life begins, there's going to be a viable human life. That's just what's going to happen. And you're murdering that, like you're eradicating that out of, you know, fear or convenience or whatever it might be. Um, And I realized, once again, I realized there's all the different reasons why somebody would do this. And some of them are really big, and I get that, but... None of them are bigger than the life of that child. Right. But if you're saying that, th- then the argument really does play out that why can't there be laws that once the baby is post-womb, now this sounds barbarous to everybody, but once the baby, up until the baby's six months old, because those babies are way more inconvenient after they emerge from the womb than they are inside the womb. I haven't been pregnant, obviously. I'm not a birthing person, but... Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But... From everything I've read and everything I've heard and seen it with my own wife, um, the the pregnancy was rough, but then being awakened in the middle of the night and this little person who just constantly needs you, I don't know, like when they're two, three months old and they're just pooping and crying and waking you up, if you could just kill them, that would be really convenient. Convenient. Yeah, that'd be convenient. So why not pass the law? If they're a viable person at conception and we can just eradicate them for convenience then, it follows that if rights are what's most important, they're not as viable as they will be when they're three years old or like when their personality fully develops, that they're not a cognitive thinking person at six months old. And once again, that sounds barbarous, I think to almost everybody. You can't just whack little babies when they're post-womb, but the same logic applies pre-birth as it does post-birth there. If it's just about rights. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is a massive issue because it speaks to, there's this crazy, and I'm not about like conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat. There's this crazy way of thinking today. We read about it in Truman's book, Rise and Triumph of the Modern Mm -hmm. Self. There's this crazy mentality that has emerged from post-enlightenment, from Marx and Freud and, and Nietzsche and others of that life is not actually that valuable. Like that life is not actually that beautiful, that life is not actually that precious. 
And abortion argument or pro-choice argument is just one of the evidences that we have believed that. Well, as soon as you remove God from the equation and you start basing everything on human experience, humanism 101, right? We are the measure of all things. You take away God from the equation. You start basing everything on us. You eventually take away man made in the image of God because God doesn't matter. God doesn't exist. And so, therefore, you lose value, dignity, and so you're you're totally right. The consequence there's is there's nothing to define dignity we're, anymore. We're going to get rid yeah, of it. Yeah. Why? Nothing. Yeah. Why? And d- both of you have have said logically this is so clear, but logic isn't a role here. <laughs> I mean, if from the get go, like weeks, a baby being conceived in the womb, you take that infinitesimal little fertilized egg out. You put that on Mars. We found life on Mars. Easy call. Everyone's going to say it. But you put it in a womb and all of a sudden that thing is a threat to the career, to the promotion, to the security, to the anxiety-free identity of the mother. It's just inconvenient and it's the essence of wickedness. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. When the decision was first made, a bunch of Hollywood actors came out left and right with their own opinions, right? Because that's what they do about these things. It was Uma Thurman, I think, that came out. And Kill Bill. Yeah, fun movies. Not for our kids to watch, but you know. Uh, she came out and said, if I hadn't have had an abortion, my career would not be where it is today. Because because I did it, I was then able to do this movie and that movie and that movie and promote myself and do this and this and this. And her daughter's in the stands, like right there listening to this. Her older daughter from this first one. Thurman's mom's career would have looked like if she had aborted her. Right. I mean, just when did that become okay? Like, how is this not the essence of selfishness? Yeah, it's so you mentioned logic, but see, I'm of the opinion of Jesus is the logos. Amen. So he is the reasonable rationale for why we understand truth and right and wrong in the world. And so and he is the he's, standard he's of given it us himself. That. Logic yeah. is not some ambiguous entity, just like mm-hmm. science is not. Right. He's the creator of those things that we understand where life begins scientifically or where we understand what's right and wrong logically yeah. and yeah. reasonably. And so I, that's why I look at this and go, we can use as just image bearers, even if we're not Christian, we can use the rationale and reasoning that God has given us from the source of the logic himself to understand like what is right and what's wrong. And so that's why for me, like I break this down and go, let's just think through this. Like, how are we justifying this? Like how barbarous pull back the lens of history and like, let's step away 200 years in the future or the past and look at this society today. What would we think of a society that's doing this? It is a big issue. (laughs) And like Danny said, until abortion is eradicated Mm -hmm. and the option's not even there to murder children, then we have to keep talking about it. The church has to keep standing against it. Well, it's something that I've seen a lot, and you were talking about this earlier, just like the right to choose. And it doesn't make any sense, like logically, but this is what I've been seeing. It's even from mothers that have had their own children and they could be like young or old. And they even say like, I chose to be a mother at the time that I wanted to be one. And they're like, their kids are going to grow up like hearing that. And I think that's just the thing that they push forward is just the right to plan out their life, to plan their parenthood, you know, at the time that they want to. And I think the only way that a Christian can get aboard that argument is if they are so like immersed in culture Mm. that that's seeping into their Christianity or they're in a church that is, you know, 
very immersed in culture and not immersed in the Bible that they're doing that. So I think obviously that's the argument of the pro-choice person. But when it comes to a Christian who's also pro-choice, I think it's like, where are you getting your your morals from too? Like, are you going to admit that that's a cultural belief yeah. and not a biblical so one? So you're touching on something that's like, to me, like we talked about, I've talked about the enlightenment a lot. The enlightenment was not the enlightenment. It was uh, intellectual destruction. It was a degression. Uh, yeah, it was a degression. Because what it did is it just made it so that whatever you feel like should be yeah. right is mm -hmm. right. Which is the the weirdest thing here because we keep talking logic, but it's the weirdest thing that like, this is not true of all pro-choice by any stretch. But what we're seeing is denigration in our society of understanding of things that has been classically defined and understood, like, for example, a woman. So, hey, love all you ladies um, who are watching, love all the guys watching, listening, whatever. But if we if you can't define Danny as a woman, then you can't make an argument that we should have a woman on the podcast to talk about this women's rights issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you can't look at Danny and go, she's a girl, and I can't define that because there's 4,000 genders out there. Um, like then, then it's then we're talking different languages here. You know what I mean? You can't have and your cake and eat it that too. That is not an enlightened Come argumentation. On, like that's not an enlightened argumentation. That's the whole point of that is. Yeah. Um, th th what I don't get today is the fight from one side. Okay, like let's call it the abortion, the pro-abortion, or even maybe pro-choice side of this. What is the basis of from which they're leaping into this supposed truth of a woman's rights? What is the ultimate basis there? And I don't think there is one. Like, well, like well, we're, we're going, Danny, hey, this is our basis here. And right. logic and sure. reasoning and history. And we're, we're forming this. And the pro-choice person's going, okay, you might be a woman. You might not be a woman. I don't really know. Okay, <laughs> let's say there's the pro-choice person. It's like, you, you are a woman. Like, this whole transgender craziness is craziness. But you are a woman. But still, you have the right. Based on what does she have that right? You know, based on what? Like, do we have that? And you can make it legally. Well, now that's eradicated to a certain degree. And so certain states, you don't have that right anymore. But yet those people will still say you do have that right inherent to you. By what metric? Mm -hmm. Like, by what metric do you have that right inherent to you? We're going outside of ourselves, which is actual humility, once again, if you think about it, to go outside mm -hmm. of yourself for the answer. Narcissism is going inside of yourself for the answer yeah. and for the basis. So once again, just trying to posit this for, for thoughtful discussion. Yeah. So to... Pull on something Danny said, and even what you're saying here, you said that I would want uh, to become a mother at the time where I wanted to, right? And so there's a sense of control. Yeah. Like I am the master of my own life. No one tells me when I can have a baby or when I do this. I do this when I want to. And if it happens at a time where it's inconvenient for me and I don't want to, this will not happen because I'm the master of my own fate, uh, which which I think exposes something of the heart there for the need Definitely. to control and master one's own life without any uh, in, out, outside influence, um, which shows, if you turn that around the opposite way, shows how insecure that heart is and afraid of just life and circumstances being totally mm -hmm. out of control, that they have gripped life so hardly and so tightly now that they are just gonna determine everything that happens to them, which shows, I think, the posture of Eve in Genesis 3. I mean, God told Eve, part of the curse, it came from the fall, to the woman he said, I will surely multiply pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire 
shall be against your husband, but he shall rule over you. So pre-fall woman was glad-hearted and submissive to her loving and sacrificial husband. Post-fall woman, her desires are contrary to her husband. She desires an over-aggression to take over the relationship, but Adam, he shall rule over you. And so it seems like post-fall woman, the tendency is to be overly aggressive and trying to take control of everything, showing the insecurity, while post-fall man is just passive to all get out. And we could have a whole other podcast there. Yeah, we should. I'm just like irritated by like the situation, like the dudes. Like, this is not just a woman's rights issue because there's a bunch of dudes knocking up girls today. Even dudes in the church who are convincing girls through manipulation Mm -hmm. because like dudes are sadistic and jacked up, myself included. (laughs) And you have dudes like manipulating women and even in the church, because I get it. Most most like non-Christian pagans who listen to this, they're just going to be listening to make your comment at the bottom. You guys are all idiots. Um, Okay, that's fine. But you have your bias and so do we. But... For the Christian who's listening is like considering this. Or the Christian who's listening is like, I'm pro-life. Stop sleeping with your girlfriend. Stop manipulating young girls into like having sex. And you can control this. Like you can to a certain extent. God's given us the ability to say, yes. hey, you know, you know what? That's you know where what? I was going to go. You don't have to have sex. You don't have to have sex. Unless it's rape. That's you a choice. It's, it's amazing how when you violate what God <laughs> says, hey, don't do this. Yeah. There are unwanted consequences to it. But then abortion allows you to have the sex without the consequence, which <laughs> remains... The situation in play, or perhaps provides the situation to grow, where men can we sorry, can a, boys can remain boys and we, not grow we into can do men. Do a whole podcast on how there are no yeah. non consequential abortions. Yeah, that's there are true. none. That's true. Like every single person I've counseled, every single person yeah. I've talked to, they, discussing with the Barrier Pregnancy Center, Dallin Drew, like mm. there is trauma mm-hmm. and there is yeah. regret and there is guilt and I mean, like cripplingly so. So there's no such thing as like, I'm just going yeah. to murder this child in my womb and everything's going to be cool with that. I understand there's quite a bit of debauchery in society. And maybe for maybe for the random person out there, you're like, that's true for me. But I would say uh, plow a little bit deeper into the depths and like ask yourself why that all that anxiety there is there, yeah. all that fear is there, all that guilt, all that shame is there. Like there's not, once again, there's grace and there is forgiveness from everything. And, you know, no. we're all murderers with our hateful and bitter intents. Mm-hmm. But... Like there's there's no such thing as a scotch free like I can just have an abortion and I'm mm-hmm. going with my life type thing. Right. So what do you say to the situations where people are like this is the only option? And I think that's a little bit of a fallacious question because there's almost never a situation where there's only one option. But how should a Christian respond to that? It's not the only option, and adoption's real, and there are people who would love to have that child. Yep. And would pay for the entire pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I'm okay for taxes to increase to pay for these children to actually be born. I'm not. (laughs) Um, Because I think that we're in a greed-mongering society where people want their due. And I think that rates for adoption need to decrease, which I think would actually probably happen if millions of more babies were being born. You know, the rates are going to have to decrease. Just like, we can't afford. I it's mean, we, crazy expensive. $30,000, $40,000, you can't afford that. And I realize we've done two private adoptions ourselves. I realize they're a lot less or going through foster care, which I think the church should be involved in. Once again, if you're thinking and you're with us, you're hanging with us, just this. 
like 1.5% of abortions are what Adam's classifying. Like 1.5% of all the abortions are of such a critical nature, there's no other options. Medically, life of the mother, the different forms of pregnancy where the baby's not going to survive, clearly not going to survive, rape, incest, these types of things. That's, that makes about 1.5% or less. So if you're asking the question, which Adam just asked, and I know where you're asking it from, Adam, but the person who's like, what about this? If you can, if you can agree with us biblically that the other 98.5% are murder and wrong, because what happens is we take the 1.5%, we try to justify the 98.5, yeah. right? We try to justify all the others just out of convenience. And so if you can agree that 98.5, then we can actually have a discussion, which we won't have right now, but we would welcome later, a different time, maybe a different podcast, about abortion when it comes to rape or incest or whatever, like that type of thing. I would still be opposed to it um, for that, yeah. but I, at least there's nuance there. There is conversation to be had when it comes to things like that. But I think it's just kind of a excuse given most of the time of, well, what about, you know, these, this, these isolated events yeah. instead of, and it's a, it's a means of justifying the majority. So the last political related question is, can a Christian hold strong pro-life views and still in good conscience vote for politicians, leaders that disagree with them on this specific issue and that be okay? <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts. Because I've only been voting for three years now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big one. I feel like at least yeah. me growing up, it, this was a big deal. Huge. While I want to 100% say what I've said before and say that never is abortion okay, on this question, I want to say it would be wrong of us to say that a Christian must only vote Republican or conservative because in saying so, what we're doing is we're setting up a litmus test of orthodoxy based on political opinion, which is nothing that the Bible does. Nowhere does the Bible do this. Orthodoxy is not based on our political opinions. It impacts it, certainly, and that's a discussion we can have. But to say that Christians must only ever vote for the Republican candidate, conservative candidate, is wrong. Because... Politics, wherever you're voting, to me, is a game of compromise. You're going to be compromising your character somewhere by whoever you vote for. Not necessarily. Unless you're voting for Jesus, it's a game of compromise. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Oh, man. So can a Christian vote Democrat <clears throat> pro-choice candidate? Absolutely. Absolutely can. Um, the, the test of your... Uh, position as a Christian is not the mistakes you made, but mm -hmm. it's the graciousness of God. So we're all going to make mistakes, but it's still a mistake. And now you could be like, I'm going to vote pro-choice libertarian. I'm going to vote um, the Green Party. I'm going to vote a, a pro-life Democrat. I don't know if that exists, but... Um, you know, you, you can look at it and go, what about like the financial woes? What about the injustice, you know? Uh, racial injustice, what about, you know, immigration reform? What about all these other issues that uh, are important, um, the defense of our nation? But once again, if we're thinking and we're thinking biblically and critically, we have to put them in kind of a progression of what's most important here. We cannot argue that uh, money distribution, mm -hmm. wealth distribution is as or more important than the life of a baby. We just cannot do that. Like right. we can't, we can't do that. And so what we do is now, if you want to 
to Adam's point, if you're just like, hey, they're all sinners and they're all jacked up and politics is not the answer and I'm just going to refrain from voting or being yeah, involved. Yeah, I don't, I don't think like, that's the answer. I mean, but I'm, you right. could do that. You could. You could. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to sit here and be like, you vote Dem, you're not Christian. That's not true at all. Like There are many people who vote Democrat, I think clear conscience before God, vote pro-choice candidate, um, lesser of two evils in their mind, whatever. And uh, and I know that Trump had plenty of issues. And so people voted Biden or Clinton or whoever. But I, I would argue in all humility and kindness that I can muster that you're not thinking well when it comes to scripture. You're not mm -hmm. thinking accurately when it comes to scripture. If you can justify anyone who says, let's massacre babies in the womb out of convenience and comfort, even if they cloak it all in political jargon. So to Adam's point, you can still be a Christian and make mistakes and sin and do the wrong thing. Okay. And I understand there's arguments to be made for voting Republican because I think they're all greedy too. Like 99% of Republican lawmakers and everything, they're just greedy too. It's like, who's the biggest pay? But um, so I, my faith is not in politics, but at the same time, if we can see biblical justice implemented politically through the government, then we should fight for that. All right, Danny, how should pro-life Christians respond to pro-choice Christians mm. or interact with? Thanks for asking, Adam. <laughs> I was ready for this. So, Such a good question. <laughs> I know, it is. I was excited for it. Um, you have to remember, like we're not, it's like you said, the Christian label is very important when I give this answer because it's like, I'm not going to talk to any pro-choice person the way that I'm going to talk to a Christian who is also pro-choice. So if you are a Christian who is pro-choice and you're labeling yourself as a Christian, then that by definition means that you are a disciple and follower of Jesus and you're submitting yourself to the scripture. So something that Adam was saying that I would thought about was like, if you are going to so easily um, make it an option to choose like convenience in your own happiness or your own like financial well-being or whatever it is over like a sin that's so big like that, like a child, a life, then you're probably doing it in a lot of other areas in your life. So I think you just need to like check, like, am I actually living for Christ? Is my life an actual living sacrifice for him? Or am I just living for myself and labeling myself as a Christian because I want to be loving and service oriented or something like that. Right. It's soundbite time. I was going to say, yeah. Was going up. Say, and we're out. <laughs> and we're out. We're just, Ouch. Danny dropped That's the microphone. Like, her cut to the heart over. right there. That's good. No, it's, That's I mean, good. that gets to what I was talking about earlier. It's not, this issue is not about abortion. Yeah. Primarily. Yeah. It's Deeper about the heart. Issues. It's about the justification of wrong mm -hmm. that I want to do. Yeah. Well which, said. which goes on in the church among pro-life people all the time. Yeah. They're like, well, I want to sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend, or I want to look at porn, or I, or I want to be bitter and hateful toward this person that I can't mm -hmm. stand, or I, I want to go to gossip. Like, there's a justification of the soul, mm -hmm. and we're so hard on the pro-choice people, which we should, because it's wrong. But we should be equally hard on the glutton and the gossip. Right. And, yeah. and Jesus was much harder on the, so like for the, if you happen to have made it this far and you're not a Christian, you're like, I'm just going to watch these jokers. <laughs> um, versus a Christian who's pro-choice. Jesus was always harder on the religious than the non-religious because yeah. the religious have said they've submitted themselves yeah. to the standard and law of God. So if we're submitting ourselves to that, look, to get back to the initial question of the podcast, can a Christian be pro-choice, not just vote for a pro-choice candidate, but be pro-choice? Yeah, they could be. 
Like a Christian can be wrong on a lot of stuff. You would be wrong on that. Like you'd be dead wrong on that to say that the pro-choice is okay. But I don't think that like damned you. Like it, it doesn't, you know, that's once again, it's not a test of orthodoxy, but you're dead wrong. You're deceiving people. You're giving excuses to your own soul and to others to sin, to Danny's point, whatever that sin might be, to, to buy into post-enlightenment intellectual deconstructionism. Mm. And I think you, honestly, you just nailed it where it's like, like people just want to justify what's in their heart. Mm -hmm. They just want to justify that. And so we collect, I talked about this in Collective last week. We collect data to justify our bias. Yeah. That's why the person watching this who's pro-choice isn't convinced by any of our arguments, even though our arguments are good, sound, biblical, rational. You're not convinced because your bias has convinced you not to be convinced. And I know you're just going to respond with, well, you're biased. Okay, whatever. That's a lame, lazy But not response. all bias is created equal. And two people cannot be right at the same time who are stating contradictory things. And I would always yeah. say, look outside. Like, like, look at what the two people arguing are basing their opinions upon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which one is basing it on something that's historical, data-driven outside of themselves? The pro-choice argument is all inner. It's, it's all mm -hmm. what I think is right, what I feel like is right. Like, there's no outward basis for it. Yeah. There's just not. So, you know, whatever. I'm not going to convince anybody. Rev. You convinced me. You know what? That's all that matters. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate all you guys. I appreciate Rev. I appreciate Dan. The superpowers over here. It's a, it's a good conversation. Let's continue having it. Well, let's yeah. fight for what's true. Fight for life. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.